0: Good morning, Cathedral Faith family. I'm so excited to be in the house of the Lord today. Are you excited? Can we all stand up and show some excitement for the Lord? You know, sometimes we come in church and we're not always that, excitement, that excited, but we tell ourselves to rejoice in the Lord always, and again to rejoice, to lift up our hands, because you today came into a good place. The Bible says that In the Philippians, he says, Friends, I say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best and not the worst, the beautiful and not the ugly things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. If we do that, the Bible says, God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Can we lift up our hands? Can we invite the Lord and trust that he will work it out for our good? Amen.
1: Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Are you ready to worship the Lord today? Repeat after me. Somebody say clap Clap. your hands. Come on and put your hands
2: together. Clap your hands. Come on, here we go. Come as you are, come to the Father. Come on, everyone clap your hands like this.
3: All who are thirsty drink from the water.
2: because revival here we go because revival is coming
1: Say "Oh precious!"
2: And t- "Oh precious." all bounds and positions your name stands above them all and the angels cry holy all creation
1: Faith, can you just have a vertical moment here with just the Father? Come on, just begin to use your voice and extol Him with words of praise, of thanksgiving, of adoration.
2: Hallelujah! Holy, 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 holy is the Lamb. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. your peace.
1: God we thank you for this moment we thank you for this moment God we thank you for your holiness I pray God Lord that as we move throughout the rest of our moments together Lord that we would just be so mindful that this is not about our song unto you it's about you it's not about our presentation of you it's about the presence of you so Father, come into this room, come into this moment. Receive all the glory, receive all the honor that you so rightly do. Fix our eyes upon you, Father, in this moment. And I pray for every hand that is raised, I pray for every person that is present, Lord, that you, by your Holy Spirit, will begin to invade their situations, invade their circumstances, invade their homes and their relationships in a way that they would see that they are being transformed by the very presence and the Spirit of our God. We love you, God, we honor you. And in the mighty name of Jesus, all of God's people said, amen and amen. Before you're seated, greet a few around you. And one more time, put your hands together and applaud the goodness and greatness of God, hallelujah.
4: Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Thanks for all five of you. All right. Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. For great is our God, and greatly is He to be praised. Amen. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Welcome to all those folks watching online, out at our our parking lot, our amphitheater, the chapel, and of course right here in our main auditorium. We're so glad you're here today and our prayers before you leave today, you will know how much God really loves you, of course. And make yourself at home because this is your father's house. Amen. Well, if you're new to Cathedral Faith, I want to encourage you to the folks right here to take in the seat back in front of you. There's a Let's Connect card. Scan the QR code, complete it. And if not, just stop by our guest center on your way out. We'd like to get to meet you and know how we can serve you and your family. Well, lots of exciting things are happening here at Cathedral. I just got to get a shout out. We just had an amazing time Friday night. And Saturday, with our Ignite Marriage Conference, we had Dr. Gary Chapman, John Ortberg, Chris Brown, Pastors George and Tonder Gregory from Saddleback Church, Adrian and Christian Dentley, and of course, my big brother. It was an amazing time as they encouraged us to show us how to use God's Word to build strong relationships and strong families. And this wouldn't happen by itself. It takes leadership, and I want to thank Uh, Carl and Leslie Gardino for their vision and leadership. Carl's right here. Leslie's out of town. But Carl, way to go. And of course, our outstanding pastoral staff led by Pastor Irene Thompson, all the pastors, and all of you that helped serve to make that a great great weekend to invest in our families, in our marriages here at Cathedral. Well, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, Please download our Cathedral app at your app store or follow us on Instagram or Facebook to stay in touch with all the latest and greatest happenings here at Cathedral. Well, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, Give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. God says, when you release what is in your hand, God says, I will release what is in my hand. How many know God has a little bit bigger hands than each of us, amen? And in Malachi 3, this is what God says in his word. He says, to bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there will be meat to eat and to prove him. It's one of the only places that God says in the Bible to prove him, to put him to the test, and that's see that he will not open the windows of heaven and pour out an overflow of blessings upon you. God wants to bless you. God's blessing is never for you. God blesses you so you can be a blessing to someone else. That's his purpose, to bless you. He's given you talents and abilities to serve others. He's given you resources to give to make others' lives better. And I want to say thank you to all of the church family for all the ways you give small and big of your time, Your talents for us to be able to serve our community and serve uh, for Jesus all around the world. So, can we just give God praise for all that He's done, but for all that He's yet to do in our lives? We have a lot to be grateful for. Of course, there's easy ways to give. You can give through the Cathedral app, you can give online at our website, or on your way out with the ushers. Uh, But thank you so much for your faithfulness." Well, you are in store for a very special treat. We have a great speaker. Man, I'm so excited to have him here. But, you know, it's always great having back to our family Christian Dentley. He's a powerhouse. Of course, he's part of that legendary Grammy Award-winning band, Take Six. But he's here with his better half. And she's going to blow you away, Adrian. But give them a great big welcome
3: home to Cathedral. Well, hello, Cathedral family! Hello, Cathedral family!
5: Hey!
3: Well, you can tell who went to the marriage conference this week. That's right. I actually packed these outfits before we came on the plane. I knew we were going to have a great time in the Lord, and we're here to celebrate. So this morning, we're going to sing and, and rejoice in the Lord together. Is that all right? And I'm going to sing Extra Tasty this morning because my beautiful wife, Adrienne, is here with me. Yes, looks so fine. Don't you agree? Amen. Well, we're going to sing this morning about the love of God that is addictive. There is nothing like the love of God. Can you agree with that? Can anybody testify that there is no love like the love of our God? And we celebrate you, Jesus. Oh, your hair is so pretty. It's all right to cut those hands with this. Come on. I found was addictive love. Hallelujah. God bless you. We love you. Thank you.
6: Let's all stand together and let's say one more time to Adrian and to Christian how great it is to have them with us. Thank you so much. You. How fun. You won't hear anything better anywhere else. That was, well, Oh, stay standing. That was not only powerful singing, but their heart, their love for God and their love for the body of Christ. It's so great to have Christian and Adrian home with us. Uh, I don't know about you, but it just deeply works in my heart in that moment. But let me go even further. You are in for one of the most amazing experiences in the next few moments. Because we have with us this weekend, Dr. Gary Chapman. And he's, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm an avid reader. I'm always in three to five books every week and I love to read. And anybody have a book you read twice? Anybody have a book you read three times? Well, I have read, no exaggeration, over a 100 times, more than any other book besides the Bible, more than any other book, Dr. Chapman's books on the five love languages and the five languages of apology. To me, they have saved more marriages and more relationships and families than anything else I've ever worked with. Out of the 369 couples that I've married, as far as I know, 355 of them are still together, and I took all of them through his material. I took them all through the love languages. And if you've never read that or taken it, I encourage you, that's a must. Every Christian believer, well, every individual ought to read that. He's coming today with nothing less than what I'm going to call a steak dinner. He's going to walk us through the scripture, and then he's going to give us something practical to do with it. I don't know, sometimes I can read a scripture and it sounds great and it feels great, but I don't know what to do with it. You're about to not only get a great steak dinner, but you're about to get application to know how to have your family be the happiest, healthiest, strongest it's ever been. Who wants a happy marriage? Who wants a happy family? Well, you're about to receive it. Let's welcome Dr. Chapman as he comes.
5: I don't know what Jesus did without a PA system. Do you? You may be seated. Thank you very, very much. Well, uh, I've I've been amazed myself at how God has used the book The Five Love Languages all over the world. It's been translated now in over 60 languages around the world. And I think it speaks to that deep human need that all of us have to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. And so... Whether you're married or whether you're single, uh, we all are human, and we all have the need to feel loved. Well, I want to talk to you today about five signs of a healthy family. You know, I've had so many people in my office who say to me, Dr. Chapman, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family, and I have no idea how to have a good family. I don't even know what it would look like. So I want to try to talk about that, what it looks like today. And I'm going to begin by reading a very uh, familiar passage. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm beginning with verse 18. It's It's a passage we've read many, many times as Christians, but often we just read it and we don't know how to apply all of it. But listen to it carefully. Do not be drunk with wine. Incidentally, that's good advice. No one's marriage or family was ever helped by somebody getting drunk. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Don't be under the influence of alcohol, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. That's exactly what we've been doing. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. He's talking to the church. And then he applies that concept to the family. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband's the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, Love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He died for the church. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any other such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hated his own body, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it, even as the Lord uh, 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 as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, in his flesh and his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Amen. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, nevertheless. Let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. What is the promise? That it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Wow. You will never read a better description of what a healthy family looks like than that. Now I want to spell it out for you and give you five signs of a healthy family. And I want to encourage you if you have paper and pen to write these down because at the end I'm going to give you a take home exam. Okay? All right, here we go. Number one, in a healthy family, there will be an attitude of service. An attitude of service. He first says to the whole church, submit yourselves one to another. Serve one another. As a matter of fact, this church would not exist if there were not a lot of people who are in this church who have chosen to follow that and serve each other and then serve beyond the church. So it starts there but then he applies it in the family. Look at, look at the words that are there. Uh, Wives submit. Husbands love. Children obey. Fathers instruct. Every one of those takes an attitude of service. It begins in our relationship with God. I'm here to serve you. And we bring that into the family and we becomes God's representatives to serve each other in the family In a healthy family. That's what it looks like. Actually, It's very difficult to resist a family member that's serving you. In fact, I had a young man say to me, he said, Dr. Chapman, when we got married, my wife served me breakfast in bed. And he said, it took me a month to get up the courage to tell her that I don't eat breakfast. (laughs) It's just hard to resist somebody that's serving you. Uh, I did a little research on my own and found out that not a single wife in the history of this nation has ever murdered her husband while he was washing dishes. Not one. You see, children already have this inside of them. How old are they when they start saying, Mommy, can I help you? Daddy, can I help you? It's there, I think, because we're made in the image of God, and God serves us, and so it's there in that child. I don't know why they lose it when they get to be teenagers, but it's there early. Yeah. So in an, there'll be an attitude of service. So let me give you a couple of little word games that you can play in the family just to put this on the front burner of every member in the family. Here's one of them. One of you says to another, you know, one of the things that I did for you today, and they say, uh, well, see. Where, about, where are my games here? I really appreciate that. Okay. One thing I did to serve you today is I made your breakfast for you. And the other person says, thank you. I really appreciate that. You see, we're already, doing, we're already doing service in the family. I mean, somebody's cooking, I hope. And somebody's washing dishes and vacuuming floors and cleaning toilets, it's already going on. This is just a way of getting it on the front burner by talking about it. One of the things I did to serve you today is, okay? And another little game is this. Do you know what I'd like? And you tell them something you'd like. I, I would really like it. I, I know you take the trash out in the morning, but I would really like it if you'd take the trash out at night after dinner. And then I don't have to smell it in the morning before you take it out. And the other person says, I'll try to remember that. It's just expressing to each other something they could do to serve you that would be meaningful to you. And then they, they, you're not making them do it because it's, it's a choice to serve or not to serve. You know. You, you can say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't, no, no, no. But in a healthy family, we're looking for ways to serve. And you tell me how I can serve you. I want to do it. I'm ready to do it. So, and then once we get that going in the family, we take it outside the family. This is where the Christian church blesses the world. You take your kids with you to the food pantry and, and, and fix those boxes for people that are hungry. I remember when our kids were little by oh, they were probably 10 11 12 long in there It's when I started this in the fall when the leaves had all fallen off the trees in North Carolina We have lots of leaves and uh, I'd get my kids in the car I'd put rakes in the back and I'd go through the neighborhood looking for yards that had not been raked and I would knock on The door and say hi, I'm Gary Chapman and I, I live down the street And I'm trying to teach my children how to serve other people and if you don't mind we'd like to rake your leaves and they would say, say what? <laughs> and I'd repeat my little speech. And they'd say, oh, I'll pay you to rake leaves. I've been trying to find someone to rake my leaves. I said, no, no, I don't want money. I'm trying to teach my children how to serve other people. And we'd just love to do it for you. I never had anyone that wouldn't let me rake their leaves. And the kids loved it. What they really loved was when you get them in a pile and you jump in the pile. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it, it's just... Take it out beyond the family. Christians serving other people beyond the family. And, uh, and you can also have a little time a- a around the table in which everybody gets to tell something they did today to serve someone. So little Johnny says, well, you know, in kindergarten, uh, Mary's crayon broke. And I asked the teacher if, 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 if they had another crayon for Mary. And everybody said, yay, Johnny, way to go, man. And then daddy gets to tell something he did. It worked to help people. And mama tells something. And sister tells something. And we rejoice in, in the fact that we're serving people outside the family. Can you imagine the impact that has on a child as they get older and go out into the world? I was on the University of Virginia campus some time ago. And etched in stone... Above one of the doors that led into the chapel were these words, you are here to enrich the world and you impoverish yourself if you forget the errand. I thought, man, what if every university had that as a theme? You're here to enrich the world. Man, that's what Jesus taught. Jesus said about himself, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve and to give my life a ransom for others. We're following his example. We're here to make a difference in the world, and it starts in the family. A healthy family will have an attitude of service. Number two, in a healthy family, there will be intimacy between the husband and the wife. Intimacy. You know when God said about Adam, it's not good for man to be alone? The word means cut off and isolated. God's answer was, I'm going to make him a partner, a helper and they will become one flesh. Deep, deep intimacy. Sometimes people think of intimacy only as the physical, sexual part of marriage. No, 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 far more than that. It's intellectual intimacy. We're sharing our thoughts, our ideas, our opinions, our dreams with each other in a healthy relationship. There's intellectual intimacy. Some people lose it because they'll share an idea and the spouse will say, well, that won't work, or that's not right, and we get into an argument. And then they just stop sharing their ideas, and they lose intellectual intimacy. And then there's emotional intimacy. We're sharing our emotions with each other. One of the things I encourage couples to do is, every single day at the end of the day, each of you share with the other three things that happen in my life today and how I feel about them. They don't have to be super things. Maybe he just says, well, honey, one thing, I stopped on the way home and got gas in the car. How'd you feel about that, honey? Be honest, I felt angry because I noticed the price. Yeah. <laughs> we're just sharing our emotions with each other, and we're meeting each other's emotional need. Yeah, the, the greatest emotional need is the need for love. And so we are speaking each other's love language, and we do have a full love tank. In a healthy marriage, there'll be emotional intimacy, and, and there'll also be social intimacy. We, we will do things with each other outside the home. I mean, coming to church is a social event as well as a spiritual event because you're meeting other people and interfacing with them before and after service. Or it can be going to something that you don't particularly like, but they like. You know, maybe you're not a symphony person, but your spouse is. And so you, well, I'll go with you, honey. And you go, and before long, you learn what an oboe is. And, and you talk with people before and after. Or, or one lady said, Dr. Chapman, he likes his car racing stuff. I don't understand it. They just go round and round and round and round and round. But she said, I went with him because I, I love him, and I just wanted to be with him outside the home and, and interface with his friends there. And she said, it was just wonderful meeting the people. I still don't like the game, but I enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know if you heard this story some time ago. There was a tornado that came through a Midwestern town and lifted the roof of a farmhouse right off the top of the house. And the, the bed in which they were sleeping was taken out also with the two of them in it and planted in the field beside them. And the wife was just screaming and crying. And, 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 and he said, honey, 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 we're safe. We're on the ground, honey. We're safe. And she said... I'm not crying because I'm afraid. I'm crying because I'm happy. This is the first time we've been out of the house together in six months. (laughs) So I'm asking you, do you get out of the house together and do things together outside the house? So there will be intimacy between the husband and the wife, and it will involve intellectual, emotional, social intimacy. But it also involves spiritual intimacy. We share our walk with God with each other. Now, I don't mean preaching to each other. I don't mean saying, I read this this morning, and you need to hear this. this. is what God said, and you need to hear this. No, I don't mean preaching to each other. I mean saying, honey, I read this this morning, and it was so meaningful to me. Let me just share this with you. And, and you know, coming to church and standing there like you have this morning and, and beside your spouse and singing together, and you hear your spouse singing, even if it's off-tune, it doesn't matter. You hear, <laughs> you hear them singing, and you're sharing this moment of worshiping God together or praying together. You know what my research shows? Not more than 50% at the most, Christian couples pray with each other every day. If you don't count, thank you for the food, amen. And, and, and you know, if you've never prayed together it, it, out loud, it, it's kind of it's frightening. I don't know if I can do that. Well, listen, how about starting here? What if you just start praying together silently every night? You hold hands, you close your eyes. You pray silently, and when you get through, you say amen out loud so they will know you're through. Then they say amen, and you pray together. You cannot come to God every night together, and it not begin to affect the way you talk to each other and the way you treat each other. And then if you start doing this about six months down the road, one night one of you will slip up and pray out loud. You break the sound barrier. But if you never pray out loud, it'll help your marriage if you pray together. Spiritual intimacy. And then yes, there is physical intimacy. Yes, in a healthy marriage, there'll be sexual intimacy, but that is really affected by all these other areas. And if you don't develop intimacy in the other areas, you're not likely to have intimacy in that area. So it all goes together. But in a healthy family, this will be true of the husband and wife. The third characteristic of a healthy family Parents will teach and train their children Two words are used there King James verse is the nurture and admonition nurture has to do with training Admonition has to do with words. So it's teaching and training It's words and actions put together. This is the way we teach our children Anything that you're trying to teach them those two things go together and sometimes people just cater on words and their, their philosophy is children are smart if you want them to do something, you just explain it to them. And if they understand it, they'll do it. But if those children don't do it, what do those parents do? I'll explain this to you one more time. And then they get louder. Every time they explain it, they get louder. And they're yelling at their kids. And then the other side, their parents who, they don't want to talk about it. They just say, you do it because I said it. And if you don't do it, whack on the back. And those kids, those parents end up physically abusing their kids. No, the words and actions go together. Can I illustrate Maybe you mothers have had this experience. You're finishing dinner, and it's almost over, and you go to the front door. Little Johnny's playing in the, in the yard next door, and you say, Johnny, dinner. And little Johnny keeps on playing. And you go back in three minutes and repeat your speech, and Johnny keeps playing. And the third time, the fourth time, you say, Johnny, get home, and little Johnny comes home. Why did Johnny come home on number four and not... Number one, two, three. Because he's learned that if he doesn't come home when mama says get home, mama will come down there and take him by the hand and walk him home. And Johnny does not want mama in the neighborhood, so he comes home. Now, it's okay with me if you want to call your kid four times for dinner. Fine with me. But if you want them to come home on the first time, you take the action that you used to do on number four and move it up to number one. But please tell Johnny you're going to change the paradigm. Went to church today, Johnny, got an idea. And you, <laughs> you won't go down but get him at one time, and he'll come home every time on the first call. It's, it's words and actions that go together uh, in teaching, whatever you're teaching. You know, all of us want to keep our kids off of drugs and alcohol. I remember when uh, I, I, I was uh, going down once, once a month on Saturday night to the juvenile detention home. And I'd play with the teenagers and then talk with at least one of them and they'd tell me their story. Well, when my son got to be 13, I started taking him with me. And we'd go down and play ping pong with the kids, and then we'd sit there and listen to one guy at least tell his story to us. And we'd drive home, and I'd say, Derek, isn't that sad, man? He's your age, and he's in detention because he broke a rule, broke a law. I said, man, you know, we follow the things God tells us to do and not do, we're going to have a much better life." Yeah, that, that didn't preach a lot, just, just him experiencing that, you know, the action with that. Uh, I remember E.V. Hill. Some of you remember Pastor E.V. Hill, you know, Los Angeles pastor, is in heaven now. He said, when I was 14 years old, uh, he said, I had never had a drop of alcohol, and I was out with some of my friends my age, and they talked me into drinking a beer, and then another one, and then another one, and another one, and I got drunk. And he said, I went home, and finally stumbled home, and I threw up on the floor in my bedroom, and I fell in the bed, and my mother came in, she smelled it, she knew what the deal was. She just closed the door, but the next morning, she said, Evie, get out of bed, clean up this floor. Take yourself a shower, you and I are going on a trip. And he said, Mom, I don't want to go on a trip. And she said, Evie, I didn't ask you. I'm telling you, we're going on a trip. Clean up this floor and get yourself a shower. So he said I did it was awful smelled awful. It was just uh..." He said finally we I got showered, and mom and I walked out the door and I said where we going And she said you'll see He said we got on the subway and We rode a long ways and then we got out and came up on the streets. I didn't know where we were But we were on Skid Row He said my mother would go down every Thursday night and cook meals at the rescue mission So all the men on the street knew my mother and they were say mama Hill What you doing out here so early in the morning? And he said, my mother would say, this is E.V., my son. He wants to live down here. And so I brought him down to see what it's like. And he said, all day long, we walked Skid Row. And that night, she took me to the rescue mission. I went through the whole thing. And he said, I never drank another drop of liquor in my life. You see, it's words and actions together that teach children what they need to know, what they need to do. So parents are teaching and training their children. Number four, in a healthy family, husbands will be loving leaders. Loving leaders. Look at the words in this passage that I just read. It says the husband is the head, and he's to love and give. He's to feed and care for, nourish and cherish. Those are the words. He's to leave his parents so he has time to do this. He's to lead his children. He's a loving leader. But don't ever use those two words separately a loving leader. You see, what's happened in our culture is a lot of men have tried to put this into contemporary culture and they say, well, I think what that means is that he is the president, she is the vice president, or he is the general who tells her what to do. No, 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 the model is Jesus. He's the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. What did the head of the church do? He died for the church. So the husband is the leader that's willing to die for his wife. He pours his life out for his wife. A loving leader in a healthy family. And one of the things I hear today among women, Dr. Chapman, I wish he would take the lead. I'd like to see him lead, especially in the spiritual area. I wish he would lead devotions for the family. She said, I have to do it because he won't. So the husband is a loving leader in in a healthy family. Let, Let me just... Let me just spell out the characteristics, what this looks like, Uh, characteristics of a loving husband. Number one, a loving husband will view his wife as a partner because that's the word God used. When God created Eve and instituted marriage, he said, I'm going to make him a helper, a helper, a partner. So he sees her as a partner. We're on the same team. We're not competing teams, each trying to win the battle. No, no, no. We're on the same team. And the husband sees that, and she works with him. And together, they decide who's going to do what, but they're working as a team. And then number two, a loving husband will communicate with his wife. You know, one of the things I hear today from wives? Dr. Chairman, I just don't ever know what he's thinking. I mean, he he just doesn't talk. Now, I know that we're all influenced by our personalities. Some of us are what I call dead seas. You know, the sea of the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea, and, and it doesn't go anywhere. And there are those of us like that. We can have all kinds of experiences and feelings, and, and we just store them inside, and we, we have no compulsion to share. And if you say to a Dead Sea, uh, you know, what's wrong? Why aren't you talking? A Dead Sea will say, no, no, nothing's wrong. What, what, what makes you think something's wrong? They're just happy not to talk. And the other personality is what I call the babbling brook. And whatever they see and whatever they hear, they tell. In fact, it just goes like that. They don't even have to think. It's just, just, just all the time. And usually they marry each other. And so dead seas, if a husband's a dead sea, he'll have to learn to, to share more than he would normally share, but we can do that. Uh, and then number three, a loving husband will put his wife at the top of his priority list. She's number one. Now people say, yeah, wait a minute, Gary, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought God was supposed to be at the top. Well, he is. But if a husband reports for duty to God, God says, okay, you're married, Now your first priority is your wife. You you represent me to her. You love her like I love the church. And so he puts her at the top of his list, above above the children, uh, above his job. And and then number four, a a loving husband will love his wife unconditionally. He'll love her when she's not lovely. (laughs) Guys, sometimes you know they're not lovely. But let me remind you, the Bible says God loved us while we were sinners and sent Christ to die for us. Unconditional love. And and so we're to love our wives even if they're not loving us. In fact, I can tell you, if you want the fastest way to turn a marriage around, if you have a wife that's not loving you and says hateful things to you, is you learn her love language and you ask God, Romans chapter five and verse five, love of God is poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And you say, God, I'm opening my heart. I want you to pour your love into me. I want to be your instrument in loving my wife, and you love her, speak her love language, and you commit yourself to do that for six months no matter how she responds. And I can almost guarantee you, before the six months is over, your wife will start loving you. Love stimulates love. In fact, the Bible says we love God because God first loved us. He loved us unconditionally, and we responded to that. I wrote a book called God Speaks Your Love Language. I don't care what your love language is. God speaks it, and he's trying to draw you to himself. And then, a loving husband is committed to discovering and meeting his wife's needs. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7 says, dwell with your wives according to knowledge. Get to know her, what are her needs. I have husbands who say, well, Dr. Heaven, how do you find out what her needs are? Well, you could read a book, or you could just ask her. Honey, what are your needs? I'll tell you, that the three questions that turned my marriage around many, many years ago, when I was willing to ask these questions, my marriage began to change. Simple questions. Question number one, honey, what can I do to help you? Question number two, how can I make your life easier? Question number three, how can I be a better husband? When I was willing to ask, she told me. Yeah, she told me. And then I I began to respond. And within three months after I started doing that, she started asking me those three questions. I have a tremendous wife. I I told her the other day, I said, you know, Carolyn, if every woman in the world was like you, there'd never be a divorce. Why would a man leave a woman that's doing everything she can to help him? And my goal has been to so serve my wife that when I'm gone, she'll never find another man to treat her the way I've treated her. (laughs) The woman's going to miss me. And I believe that's our, that's our role. And number six, a loving husband will seek to model his spiritual and moral values. He'll seek to live by what he says he believes. He'll take the word of God, and when, he said, when he's, God says don't do it, then he'll say, God, I don't want to do it. Give me the power not to do it. If God says do it, then he says, Lord, give me the power to do it. And, and, and the closer that what we say we believe and how we live, Makes it easy for a wife and children to respect us. But it, the greater the gap between what we say we believe and then the way we live, it's very difficult for the children or the wife to, to respect us. Now, some of these people say, Gary, well, why are you picking on the husbands and giving him all these things? <laughs> Guys, what I've observed is we need a little more help. <laughs> I mean, most women most women will freely respond to a man who is a loving leader in the home. Okay, number five, fifth characteristic of a healthy family. Children will obey and honor their parents. Obedience is a healthy word. You know, for the most part, parents are older than children. And we should have more wisdom. And and so we're teaching them how to grow up to be healthy. Obedience builds respect for authority. If they they see us as the authority, they're, they're obeying us. We're teaching them to respect authority. Public school teachers say to me, Gary, I spend half my time just trying to keep order so I can teach, because they don't respect the, the teacher as an authority. And then, and then it builds responsibility in a child. When they have jobs to do and they obey what you tell them to do, you're teaching them responsibility. Dad has a responsibility, mom has a responsibility, Jane, the kids have a responsibility, and it teaches, builds character into them. We're to be building this into them. Obedience to, to parent teaches them how to live a life as an adult because there are rules we have to live under. Uh, three-year-olds are not supposed to be in charge of households. You know, I'm amazed at how long parents, on Sunday morning, parents will say to a little three-year-old, honey, let's put your dress on, let's go to church. And the three-year-old says, no, which is their favorite word. And they, oh, honey, grandmother gave you this dress. No. Oh, honey, look at the pretty ducky-wuckies. No. How do you get a dress on a three-year-old? You stuff her in it. There's one hole for the head and two for the arms. It takes 30 seconds. So how do we teach obedience to our children? Number one, we teach by by our model. They observe how we observe the, the laws that are in our land. So you're driving, and you've got your 10-year-old with you. You're coming home from his f- baseball practice or whatever. And you come to, the, to an intersection, and the sign says no left turn. But it's 10 o'clock at night. There's nobody looking at There's nobody anywhere. And you know if you don't turn left here, you've got to drive three more blocks before you can turn left. What are you going to do? If you turn left, you're teaching him, as long as nobody's watching, you can break the law. But if you go forward and he says, dad, it would have been closer back there. You say, I know son, but didn't you see the sign? It said no left turn. We obey the law, son, whether anybody's looking or not. See, by our model, we teach them obedience. And then we also teach them obedience by letting the child suffer the consequences when they do wrong. Let them suffer the consequences. So you have a rule. We don't throw the ball in the house. We throw the ball in the yard, but not in the house. If you throw the ball inside the house, the ball has to go in the trunk of the car for two days and you lose the privilege to play with it. And if you break something, you have to pay for it out of your allowance. Okay? The consequences. And if they throw the ball in the house, you don't go in there and say, what are you doing? You know I told you not to do this. Now, why are you doing this? No. They know the consequences. You've already told them. So you say, oh, son, I am so proud of you. You seldom break the rules, and I love you so much But you broke the rule. Remember, you don't throw the ball in the house. And they're nodding their head, and you know what has to happen, right? And they start crying, and they say, yes. Okay, let's go to the car. Let's put the ball in the trunk of the car, and I don't know what the vase will cause that you broke, but we'll have to take it out of your allowance. But listen, I love you, and I'm so proud of you, because you seldom break the rules. You're letting them suffer the consequences. They won't throw the ball in the house again, I can almost guarantee you. Let them suffer the consequences. And then we also teach them obedience by rewarding obedience. Now, I've had people say, well, I don't think you ought to reward children for doing right. Well, God does. I mean, read the Bible. We, we've already heard it this morning. You, you, you do what God says, and God's going God's to reward you. If you want the best possible life on earth, if God says don't do it, don't do it. If God says do it, do it. Every law God gave us, every guideline God gave us flows out of his love for us. He wants us to have the best possible life on earth, so he rewards us when we do right. And then obedience leads to honor because it says children obey and honor. And I think honor is caught more than taught. They tend to honor us eventually by the way we honor our parents. And so if we are honoring our parents with words and comments and behavior and so forth, then they will be honoring us. All right. You see the five things up there? If you didn't write them down, I want you to write them down now if you've got paper and pen. If you haven't written them down, write them down now because here's your take-home quiz. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and sometime this afternoon... With every member of your family that's living in your house now if you're living alone then you just do this looking back on your family when there's somebody with you you put you give each other a sheet of paper that has these five things on it as long as the kids are old enough to read you get let them go separate places and they're gonna take they're gonna take this the sheet of paper and they're gonna put a zero to a ten out beside each one of them on how well is my family doing with this. If they give a, a ten means we're doing wonderful. Two means we aren't doing much on this one. So every family member puts a number out beside of it. Then you bring them all back into the same room and it, we walk right through them. Each of them gets to share what number they put beside that and then tell you why they gave that number. So maybe you have a teenager, and on intimacy between the husband and wife, he puts a two. And you say, well, why, why did you do that? And he says, well, all I ever hear, is you guys are just always arguing with each other. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's very intimate. And as a parent, you just got a good word from your, 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 your child. They're telling you how they perceive your relationship. I'm telling you, folks, this can be very revealing as every, each one of you shares and walks through these. And then you say, okay, let, let's, let's start working on these which is one that really needs the first attention. And let's begin, over the next several weeks, let's begin to work on these things so that we can develop a healthy family. And, and if you're a, an older adult and you have adult children, and, and if you have a fractured relationship with them, which many, many times people do, just ask God, Lord, show me where I failed with them. They don't take on the responsibility of, of, of everything because, listen, they're free to do what they want to do. Even God's first two children went wrong, and they had a perfect father. So don't blame yourself for everything. But if you did fail them in some way, go apologize to them. Just tell them, I've been, I asked God to show me where I failed you growing up, and I, I just want to share this with you. Now, I don't know if you can find it in your heart to forgive me or not, but it can sometimes be the first step to, to being reconciled with your, with your adult children. Okay? Let's pray. (laughs) Father, thank You that in Your divine providence, we spent some time together today worshiping You and some time looking into Your Word about families. And I know that You know every single one of us, married or single, young or old, You know everything about us. You know the families we grew up in, you know the family we're in now if we're adults, but I pray that we'll be different over the next coming months because we came to church today and we listened to your word and we went home and took it seriously. May our lives individually and our families be different because we came into your house today. In the name of Christ, amen.
6: I'm gonna invite you to stand with me for just a moment. Dr. Chapman was with us Friday night. He flew in from the East Coast. By the time he got back to his room, it was midnight his time. He spoke again yesterday, two times today. day. You know, I, I'm not sure how many of you at 85 say, oh, I can't wait to travel around and, and bless other people. I mean, this is when some people say, oh, let me just put up my feet and relax. But he, here's what happens. God's given him a word that changes families. If you take what happened today, it'll change your family. You you might not be aware, but he has sold millions and millions of books. I I, I think we'll all be in heaven one day and God God will say, okay, like how many read Gary Chapman's book? And like millions of people are going to raise their hand. And now you're going to be able to raise your hand. Hey, I heard him. I heard him. But here's what I want us to do. He's gonna fly back east today. I want us to reach our hands toward him. I just wanna pray a blessing on this man of God. Lord, thank you for this incredible gift you've given to Cathedral, you've given to the body of Christ, you've given to the world. Thank you for this man of God whose heart of humility lets wisdom be spoken with power and truth. Bless him, encourage him, strengthen him, watch over him give him favor let your blessings be upon he and his wife and i just pray lord that you will continue to let the seeds he's planted in us and in millions of others bring fruitfulness and favor to families that will be blessed thanks for your faithfulness thanks for sending this amazing gift to us this weekend we bless him now in jesus name amen and amen bless you Thank you. thank you I can tell you that's scripture and it works, it works. So if you don't go home and do the homework, it won't work. So make sure you've got the the pictures, you've got the slides, you've got the screen so that you can go and be a blessing. Next week, we continue our Explore God series in which we're answering some of the hard questions. How do we even know God exists? And if you know anybody who's ever struggled with that, any atheists or agnostics out there in your life who don't believe in God, next week's a great weekend to bring them We're just looking forward to what God's going to do as we continue to serve the Lord and serve each other together. Amen? Following service, there'll be people available here in the front as well as in the amphitheater to pray with you. If you need prayer today, let me speak God's blessing on you. Lord Jesus, thank you. You are our model. You're the head of the church. You're the source of life. You gave yourself for us. You serve us. And you teach us by your model and by your words exactly what you want us to do. I pray that you'd help us to be better servants of one another and of you, our families, and of each other here at Cathedral of Faith. I just pray blessing and favor upon them. May your face shine upon them. May you turn your face toward them and be gracious to them and give them your peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have
2: a great week in the Lord.